Interview with the Podcast Vampire is a retrospective on the filmography of living legend Tom Cruise. Hosted by Dale underscore A, Jonesy Lowe's Beer, and Slim. Two thousand three American epic period action adventure drama, The Last Samurai. Is Last Samurai the greatest movie about samurais ever made? <laughs> and I don't care who just jumped out of their car while hearing that comment. Oh my God, Jonesy loves beer. Writer just confirmed what we've all been thinking. You just heard a gasp from merchandise VP Dale underscore A who is chomping at the bit to give his thoughts at The Last Samurai by Tom Cruise. Mm, I mean, when Jonesy confirmed <laughs> your thoughts, Slim, and he's twirling <laughs> his Gene Shallot mustache the whole time, I mean, I couldn't even believe... <laughs> I, I couldn't help but just agree with him. Kurosawa who? Not my Tom. <laughs> You want the ultimate samurai movie? If you're not thinking it's led by a white man, get out of my face right now. <laughs> Go back home. Go to your home. <laughs> not on this podcast. Not on this podcast. We are here together, the three of us. We're back in the saddle again. This is mm. our first episode in about a month. You know? Who's to, to say back. we accidentally, who's to say I accidentally had us record collateral before this? Who's to say? It definitely didn't happen. Definitely didn't happen. I don't happen. even know where we are in the in the PK Prime timeline. We wouldn't record no it like that because it didn't come out in the movies like that. Okay? You forget to <laughs> Not add our one. Tom. You forget, <laughs> you forget to add one digit to my notes and all hell breaks loose. Okay? Let's get back to what we're here to talk about. The greatest samurai film ever made by human beings on this planet <laughs> is our topic this week. Jonesy uh, is excited, as you heard earlier. You know, in Slack earlier, I couldn't contain myself. We have a Slack for, for the paper friends of Paper Keg. I couldn't contain myself re-listening to this Hans Zimmer score for the millionth time. I was beset, mm -hmm. if I could quote the movie. But Jonesy, please, can you walk us through The Last Samurai? What is it? Where were you? Where are we right now? Jonesy, please. So 2003, uh, I feel like I had just drank myself uh, out of college. Uh, I had not yet started working at my main career. Uh, much like uh, Captain Nathan Algerin, mm. I was uh, afloat in my life. And boy, did I afloat in the theaters to see... The Last Samurai. And um, this movie follows a, what we now know as post-traumatic stress disorder, but a, was it shell shock back then or was that World War One? I? I digress. He's deeply disturbed. He was a captain under General Custer and he uh, uh, is still very mentally damaged uh, after his service in the U.S. Army. So he is Still, though, considered a brilliant strategist, brilliant linguist, and he is uh, hawking Winchester rifles when he is approached by his former, I guess his former battalion leader, uh, a fellow comrade played amazingly by Billy Connolly, and they are all uh, kind of wine and dine to come train the Japanese by Minister Amora who is kind of shopping the world to modernize Japan and more specifically their armed forces. So they agree to, to travel to Japan to uh, train a modern army, uh, otherwise knowing that their, their enemy will be the samurai, although they're not sh really sure what that means. So um, Tom begins to train. Uh, and This is like one of the craziest ways. I've never heard it before, but I love it training the Japanese how-to soldier. So that was a really antiquated way to say it. Loved it, by the way, just an aside. Mm -hmm. So they uh, they are mobilized way too soon by Amora um, with this false confidence to go face uh, Katsuboto, who, who is the titular last samurai of the movie. It's not, in fact, referring to Tom, but... Yeah, wake up, so they, idiots. 
yeah wake up are you woke in 2003 are you woke <laughs> so not on our podcast go home <laughs> idiots so they have a pitch battle against the samurai but the samurai of course they're better trained um they understand their weapons the you know the new japanese army doesn't quite doesn't quite have it yet and uh there's a wonderful scene where where tom says they're not ready after begging uh, a soldier to shoot him Ute fire he says it again and again and he just says they're not ready so they mobilize after this regardless and katsuboto easily cuts through this battalion of newer soldiers and um he sees tom kind of like fighting off injured fighting off a bunch of samurai warriors and he's got a white tiger flag and it kind of makes Kasumoto stop because he had a vision at the beginning of the movie about a white tiger it's gonna be the longest synopsis ever <laughs> but the so, best one uh too. he he uh he spares Al- uh Algren, you know both out of respect the vision but also to learn about his new enemy from a foreign land and uh, they go back to Katsumoto's villages, and uh, Algren has to stay there. There's no, the the passes are frozen through winter. He's going to be there all winter, and he's he's got to deal with life there. So the whole movie is really about um, his change, his healing of both his mind and body, and what the the Japanese culture is able to do to heal him, and how their honor and their bushido kind of changes the way he feels about himself. He's finally able to forgive himself and he starts over with a kind of like a new adopted family. And when it comes time for him to go back uh, to, I want maybe it's Tokyo. I'm not sure. And face the emperor and Katsumoto is going to face the emperor. Their enemy is no longer. And, uh, Algren arranges a last stand between a now super improved uh, Japanese army armed with howitzers. Um, and they don't, I mean, spoilers. Uh, we're not really sure if Tom makes it. I mean, visually, we see that he makes it back to the village. But uh, there's there's a lot of, you know, misinformation. Maybe the narrator, the, uh, the British uh, translator isn't a reliable narrator. But uh, we see that uh, Katsumoto dies a perfect death. So the last samurai passes the way he wanted to in life. So what a beautiful movie. Uh, and Hans Zimmer firing on all cylinders. Maybe the uh, the assassination scene with just the uh, the Japanese drumsticks. Maybe the, one of the best tracks in human history. Uh, and the best samurai film ever made by the best composer, Hans Zimmer. Uh, hmm. Couldn't love this movie anymore. Even, this is probably the hundredth time I watch it, and I still love it. Mm. More like the best samurai. <laughs> <laughs> Stay woke, America. Dale, what are your, let's get into Dale's mindset here. You know, not that we recorded Collateral before this, but it was mm. the first full viewing Dale had of Collateral. Find out about that in a month. And, what was where are you at with Last Samurai in your life right now? So Last Samurai, Jonesy had slant, sent the uh, PK Slack a little doozy of a message saying it's the uh, one of the only uh, soundtracks, one of the only things he owns in Apple iTunes for mm-hmm. his. Uh, so he can only listen to it on his Bobo iPhone. He would say, "Yeah, they're garbage." Actually, gifted it to me as well. I think on my birthday. Yes. So yes, I did. Good memory, uh, Dale. Yes, I, uh, I, I mean, it's it's amazing. It's a great movie. Think what you want about, you know, the nastiness that you're gonna you're gonna say uh, about about this movie. <laughs> it's a beautiful movie. Okay, it is one with, you know, the perfect that time in the world is such an interesting time in terms of technology old and new, especially in Japan, it's just, it's just a beautiful blending, right, of, mm-hmm. of eras. And I don't know, I mean, it's, it's, 
it's a sweeping. It's a little tropey, obviously, um, when you see what happens to Tom when he gets injured and they taken as uh, taken as a as a you know a polite prisoner back to the uh, samurai Sake. camp in the mountains. But I mean, it's a beautiful. Sake. It's a beautiful movie. I mean, when the way he's uh, he's detained into in that room to get through the DTs and get over his alcoholism. Uh, I, I mean, it's a great movie, and you're right about the soundtrack. I would put it up there. I mean, it's it's top soundtrack, obviously, top three, top five. Um, uh, I've only in my life, in terms of uh, that style, I personally have listened to Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon a little more in my life. Uh, mm-hmm. but this is, I mean, this is up there. It's beautiful as well. I think the Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon is a little more, uh, action set pieces in that music, but you, you combine the two. It's a beautiful movie. I mean, I, on, I didn't take any notes for this movie because I was so engaged. Wow. By it. I completely wow. forgot to take notes. I just had the, uh, the, the TV to myself. I was in heaven. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean, so let's get into it for real. Let's get it, please. Ken Watanabe, I think he was, was he nominated or did he win for a supporting actor? He was, uh, he was beautiful in this movie. This set him off in the American cinema, if I recall correctly. Really did. He was amazing. Every motion he made in this movie, like he had the character of um, Katsumoto down, Mm -hmm. like just the mannerisms that he had. I mean, not many actors give, get their characters mannerisms, but man. Every motion Absolutely. was not wasted. Every movement, so amazing. Um, the the way the movie starts off, Tom is like selling guns um, to start off the movie. He's like a he's obviously a drunk. He's an alcoholic. He's got problems. He still hasn't recovered from um, Custer's Last Stand and that era. So he's just like out of it. And then that's when what's the actor's name that you referenced, Jonesy? His buddy. Oh, Billy Connolly. Billy Connolly comes in, offers Amazing him a job. Amazing performance. And the one line that I wrote in this viewing where he's like giving Tom a job offer, he's like, hey, we got to go meet these people. And he's like, what kind of job is it? And he's like, the only job you're fit for, a man's job, which I think mm-hmm. speaks to subtly like, this is the way you do. Like, you can't get out of it. Like, you're a dr- you're drunk, sure, but like, this is what you do now. You kill people or you help us kill people. Um. And he's offered, once he meets the Japanese, they offer him $400 a month. What is the inflation of that? That's a lot of money. It's, it's, yeah. Well, he said uh, captain's pay was $25 a week, and he'd be offered five years captain's pay for, I think, three months of teaching Japanese how to soldier. Unreal. <sighs> so much whiskey. The amount of whiskey he's going to drink. Mm-hmm. How about that scene where he tells the guy from Ghost, the bad guy from Ghost, he says, you know, if you want me to kill the enemy of racial slur, mm-hmm. I'll do that. But uh, bear in mind, I'd gladly kill you for free. Yeah. yeah oh, he, ooh, man. He's so, he's so, like, mentally, he's so screwed. This is one of those roles that Tom chose that, you know, there's some real depth to this character, which is presumably why he picked it. Um, Like, he's really messed up by being a part of a war where they're killing children. And, like, people that mm-hmm. are just so, like quote to the americans beneath them like he's he has written books on how to learn the ways of the savages quote like the the indians and how they took over their land and killed them and that was it so that's why he's hired for this role and he's real messed up like he's obviously messed up about it and when he that scene where they're drinking and he's offered the money like he's there's a really awkward scene where they laugh together where he, there's like the old band getting back together because in his head, like this is probably the, one of the worst moments of my life. And now we're all doing it again, but he's yeah. so drunk and accepting of the money. Like he's just going to laugh about it and yeah, whatever. Let's go. Let's go to Japan right now and kill some people. If, if we can just glimpse real quick uh, to the climax of the film and then we'll go back. How perfect though, does that set up later in the movie? His tell when Amora offers him whiskey and yes. he declines. I wrote that down for sure. Yeah. Mm. And and he knows too. He looks. He gives a second glance to Tom Cruise when he says no to the whiskey. And at that yeah. moment, he realizes like he's like, oh shit, he's with yeah. Samurai yeah. right now. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. 
that he's like scrambling in his head. He's like doing anything he can to try to <laughs> salvage whatever he lost of this man. He's paying tons of money for, you know, he, the, the months spent in the mountains, he just lost him. He completely lost him to the, uh, the allure and the, the romance of the samurai mm-hmm. lifestyle for sure. The, um, when he gets to Japan and, they have their first fight that Jonesy referenced that was too early. Like they go into battle against Katsumoto. Um, that scene where the samurai are coming through the forest and the and the fog. Holy moly, what a shot. Mm-hmm. And you can just hear the hooves of the horses. Like that's how they know they're coming. And Katsumoto has that dream sequence of that, um, the white tiger. Bengal tire like the caged animal yeah and he and he has this like vision that this is going to mean something and then when he sees tom defending himself with the flag of the white tiger he notices and he like slowly walks closer to this event that's happening he's got five samurai on tom right now and they're just like having their way with him he's almost dead and tom defends himself like three more times from death from the moment that katsumoto sees that something is going on here like he gives every opportunity for Tom to get killed before yeah. he finally <laughs> steps in. Like one of his own samurai does get killed. His brother-in-law. His, his, yeah, his brother-in-law gets killed by Tom and then they're about to kill Tom and he's like, wait, wait, hold on a second. Like, man, he just waited it until the final moment to act on that vision and he finally does and they that's when they keep Tom with them and to learn from them uh, from that moment on. Yeah, it was, it was just a happy coincidence that he was taken back as prisoner but at that point, uh, you know, Katsumoto and crew couldn't head back down from the mountains because it was going to be winter. So he was just going to be stuck there. Had it been any other time of year or had they been anywhere else in the country, it might not have worked out the same. They might have kept them there or killed them or, or handed them over to the emperor because Katsumoto had such a such a, a deeper relationship with this young emperor. You know, this the emperor still wasn't sure what he felt and he still needed Katsumoto's uh advice and input and he wasn't totally sold on the idea of betraying japanese ways for this new era of mm-hmm. uh of outside influence and in, on the country of japan but it, it it all just lined up perfectly i mean as and as you were saying uh katsumoto giving every opportunity for for uh nathan to just die in battle and he didn't so it's just all a sign pointing to him to uh step in and and start nursing this guy back to health and keeping him for whatever reason to have good conversation and yeah he captures nathan and he does go through that period of time where he doesn't have any alcohol is like on cold turkey and he's being like um nursed back to health by this woman who has two children and then you come to learn that the person he killed was her husband and the father of those kids yeah so there's like this other layer that you know he's he's living in the service of this family that he just destroyed essentially and which just adds another layer of complexity but then also katsumoto calls him in and he wants to have these conversations with him to learn from him and tom is like taken aback by that and Mm -hmm. this sets off this chain reaction of tom learning so many different things about quote the savages that he has learned to destroy over the years that you know they're not different they're like him almost or almost exactly yeah, exactly, because it it's he's finally taking the opportunity that he's probably, you know, he's had so many drinks over had he just happened to the opportunity to step in and end things earlier and his life may have taken a different turn because as he sees in his flashbacks and his nightmares him him uh gunning down women and children and innocent people who, you know, they're just taking land through eminent domain or whatever. Um you know, this is kind of his repentance or something like that. Uh, he finally gets a chance to at least learn the people, learn of the people that he's supposed to be fighting against. One of my favorite scenes, not in just this film, but in all cinematic history, is when the village finally, like, there's a crack. And that's the, the fight in the rain, where he's with... um. Taka's son, his, the oldest son, I forget his name, but he's having like a, a wooden sword fight with a classmate. And, um, yeah, they, they say, Tom, you know, just here's a wooden stick. Go ahead and, and fight with him. But uh, Ujio sees it and comes over and disarms Tom. 
but Tom decides he's going to stand up and test his metal. And Ujio keeps kicking a crap out of him in the rain, but Tom keeps getting up. In fact, the only time he won't get up is when he's knocked unconscious. And I think that's the first time where the samurai see what he's made of and decide that maybe, mm-hmm. just maybe, he's not, you know, worthless. Mm-hmm. Or there's something more to these people than they thought. Which I I can't help but think about from that sword fight on... Tom's just there as a prisoner and, and the, you know, that funny silent samurai is there to, to be his protector. But everything that happens from then on is at Tom's doing. He, he steps in to learn about their culture. He's the one that steps in and starts learning about their ways of fighting. He, he could have had a total hands-off approach, but uh, I, 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 I can't help but wonder. It's not like he's forced to do any of this. They just, they're, they're going to accommodate him because that's what they're being told to do. Almost like they're humoring him. Yeah. That's what, I mean, Katsumoto tells him to, uh, you know, just let, let him be. And if he wants to, uh, you know, learn, then do it. He might as well, you know, be there. But it's almost like, uh, you know, Tom had to take the first step to do it. And Katsumoto knows at that point, you know, obviously the romanticism and, and the ways he could see uh, Nathan Algren struggling. Maybe this is what he's needed all along. Right, yeah. And the first conversation ends that they have. Katsumoto is asked by Tom, like, what do you want from me? And then Katsumoto's like, well, what do you want for yourself? And then he walks away. So they kind of lead that in that direction where Tom has, like, the option to, you know, mm-hmm. either do something to better himself or just sit around and mope, you dumb alcoholic freak, <laughs> essentially. How, how about when... Like, it's it's established that they're friends, and uh, he tells them, look, the passes have melted, we're going to leave tomorrow, and uh, Algren's like, oh, good then. And then Katsumoto's feelings are hurt, because he's going to miss him. He's like, yeah, good. <laughs> he's, like, almost pissed off that it, he was happy <laughs> to go back. Yeah, there's so many, like, the, I wrote a couple lines where Tom is writing in his journal. He writes in a journal for the majority of the movie. And Tom doesn't call himself a writer, but his writing is actually like really amazing that he like, you know, that he says out loud, he he says he like comes to learn that samurai means to serve and he learns more about their culture and how essentially how wrong he was. And he's like coming to the realization that, you know, as soon as he gets in deeper into these cultures, he's like uh, how, how effed his decisions were. Mm -hmm. Um, And we mentioned the thread about like the wife and the two boys you know, she's the widow that he has created. And she's like, what? There's a few scenes. They, they, I feel like they do this thread very well. Like it would have been super cliched for them to do a love story between the two of them. Um, granted, this movie is three hours. So they had the room for it to breathe. But there are scenes where he is eventually over time, over the months past, he spends time with these kids. They're having fun in the yard, you know, <laughs> quote yard. And she's seeing this stuff and she can't stand him. She's like, over the course of the movie, the most part, she's like, get this guy out of my house, brother, Katsumoto. I want, I will literally kill myself because I'm so dishonored by this. And she sees him over time, have fun with the kids, teach the kids and like really enjoy their company. And in my head, she's kind of seeing this as like, man, this guy's like a better husband than my husband was. Like, this is a totally different kind of man than i have seen and you really get that at the end of their moments together where he says let me help you with that and she says japanese men do not help with this Mm. and tom says i'm not japanese and he says this in japanese and it's just you know there's so many little threads between those two characters right um that were just so beautifully done and no better than their big scene at the end where Tom eventually gets entrusted with them that he goes into battle with them against the soldiers he was training. And the armor of the the dead husband is still in the house. And she calls him into the room and says, we want you to have this armor.
music in the scene is unreal. Oh, like I, yeah. I was, I'm getting chills typing this. Of it. But she, you're kind of wondering like, will they kiss? Are they gonna have like a thing here? Like how much time has passed? But it's so beautiful. She stands up, undoes his belt, disrobes him so that she can get him ready to put the armor on, and they share kind of like this emotionless, full of emotion kiss that was so perfect in this movie that yeah. I was, I was every time I see it, I'm like emotional. Yeah. There, there's a moment right after that, that it might be one of my favorite moments of the movie. Tom steps out and he's in Hirato's armor and he's one of them. And Ujio like runs up and you think he's going to be like, take that off. How dare you? But instead he checks that it's tight and kind of slaps him on the shoulder. Like yeah. he approves like the, the stone warrior says, all right, you are one of us and you've earned the right to wear that. That's such. Yeah. And I, I haven't stopped thinking about it since you even started talking about it, Slim. But the fact that when he finds out that he killed her husband in conversation with Katsumoto, it's like the weight of that is on his face every time he's in the same room as her. Mm-hmm. And he feels like total scum that he has to be prisoner in their house. I, st- I mean, I, Katsumoto can see far and wide why he is making her keep him <laughs> in their house. Like, is she only the one with, is she the only one with an extra room in, in her house? <laughs> I don't know. It's awful. It is awful. And I could... Un- totally understand her plight but so can he he feels like it's uh, he feels like a total mess for having to be in the same house as them and the fact that he probably feels like an ass for even getting close to her you know and right. and forming a bond with the children because he knows in the pit of his stomach that what he did to that family right and even before that when he first starts like healing and coming out to lunch or dinner or whatever mm-hmm. he starts speaking Japanese to um, Taka. It's Taka, right? The, the, the wife? The wife is Taka. Taka's brother. The son is Nobutada. Yeah, I think Taka's nephew, the boy, right? Or no, yeah, mm-hmm. Taka's nephew, Katsumoto's son. He speaks Japanese to him, and the son is like, he's a huge fan of Westernization. He's like so happy that Ta- that Tom is speaking <laughs> Japanese. So the family, the kids, and the uh, Katsumoto's son are like speaking with him and having fun. And speaking in Japanese while Tom yeah. is like trying. And, and she wants to crawl face, under the table. Yeah. Her, she is like yeah. weeping at this, at the yes. mere idea mm. of this family embracing Tom. And it's so painful to see her go through that because she is disgusted and she's dishonored. Mm-hmm. And obviously that changes over time. But man, what a, what a scene to have her go through that. The the scene where he and her are are close together and he says just simply I'm sorry for your husband and she cries and says I accept your apology oh my god just mm-hmm. an indication of how much how much their culture is different that she could even forgive him yeah but then in that moment you know begin to love him and I really you know I really hope at the end of this movie in the in the fan fiction last samurai transporter collateral universe that I'm sure evolves from this that he does end up back at those villages and gets to live out his life, finally getting some kind of peace. And we could even say, like, you could make the argument that she doesn't love him, but there's a there's a potential for a, a relationship and a and a communion to happen between the two. Yeah. You know, kind of like two people who've been through something so terrible mm-hmm. that find solace at each other. Yep. You know. Yep. After. Right. They might as well get through this uh, crazy thing called life maybe together maybe <laughs> right. that's what they try at the end this, how about the fight scene where uh, short probably shortly after um thomas like slowly integrating with the culture and the town and the samurai and showing that like i think he had just had that tie battle with the swords with the one dude that hates him and there's what, a there's, what else was he in jonesy he was silver samurai Ujio, in, oh, Ujio yeah, has been yeah, in for, yeah. he was in lost he was in, um, he's just recently a Westworld in uh, the uh, the mm. Samurai world. He played a, a character there. He's been in a lot of stuff over yeah. the years. Not, okay. no, no uh, leading man roles that I know of. Yeah. Okay. At least he was just in uh, Endgame. Um, 
he was the one who fought uh, Hawkeye oh, yeah, in the streets in that katana battle. Oh yeah. I was going to call it the fight scene where Tom fights with the samurai for the first time and protects the kids when those assassins come in the middle of the mm. night. Oh my God. What a, just a great fight scene. Well shot. You feel the action. You feel the stress of everything going on. So good. When he reaches into Katsubata's waist and pulls his short sword and they start fighting together. Oh my God. Are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> Like these scenes, and I'm, I wrote in a brief letterbox review that like, I know full well that most people just think this is a good movie and not like an excellent movie, but I adore these scenes. These scenes are yeah. so good. Like your dream as a Tom fan is to see Tom back to back with samurai kicking ass with swords and his hair flowing, his beard. Like if you were a Tom fan, this movie is porno. This is a pornography mm. film for hardcore Tom fans because everything yeah. that was going on in these scenes, it's like a dream. Like Tom yeah, killing yeah, yeah. people with samurai swords. He's protecting the family. The kid shows up and runs into his dad's den to grab his dad's sword to defend the family. And then Tom has to help the kid. Like, are you kidding me? Even the wife steps in at that point in that scene and helps out. So good. Mm. Uh, remember when Katsumoto has uh, a sword commissioned for Tom? His oh my own, God. his own sword, his own, uh, rep, his own personal representation of Bushido. Yeah, yeah. What, and mm. it, had, it had a saying specific to him and everything. Uh, oh. It was something like this sword, or I belong to the warrior where the old ways have joined the new. <laughs> mm. There's also the scene that they share in the garden that Katsumoto talks about. The perfect blossom is such a rare thing, you know. And the perfect blossom is a rare thing. You could spend your life looking for one, and it would not be a wasted life. What a phrase. Unreal. What a phrase is that? Like, the, that, there's so much meaning in that that ties into Algren. You can tie that into anything. Yeah. Like, but it just fits so perfectly, and I wrote directly underneath that, that the shame of Algren is such a strong thread in the entire movie, and everything connects with that. And that was one of my kind of main points about the white savior metaphor in my opinion, it doesn't really fit here in this movie. Like, obviously, the movie's called Last Samurai. Obviously, Tom is a star. Like, you're like, okay, what? And we made jokes <laughs> about it before, but... And I see it more in movies like Avatar, where the white savior really comes through, because that, you know, that dude just saved the entire species of the, the Pandora people, and he, yeah. like, becomes their king, like, at the end of the movie. Like, okay, yeah, I get it. But in this <laughs> one, he's such a, a complex character, and he's still a very small piece of these people, like all of this stuff would have happened no matter what without him. And they still spoiler lost. Like they still lost in the end, uh, the, the battle, but, mm -hmm. uh, you can somewhat say that eventually they did win through the sacrifice of Katsumoto. Um, but man, the, just the, also there was a line shortly after that where, um, I don't mean to skip ahead too much, but, uh, let me see if I can find it. I think Omura, like when they come back to Omura, and they fight their make their last stand. And he says, uh, he's defeated. He must accept his shame. Like just that line is right. so deep in and of itself for someone like Algren. Like maybe he is accepting his shame in this moment. And that's why he's pushing forward. I just thought it's just such beautiful writing this movie. And, and Omura was so furious that he, w that he wasn't accepting his shame, even though he was defeated. Like, this is where you end. This is where the fighting stops. Uh, mm -hmm. it, it, that's what the rules state, but they're beyond that. They're, they're fighting for something a lot more at this point. Yeah. Um, the, the shortly thereafter that, Jonesy referenced the um, moment where they go back to the town because the emperor has granted them safe passage to like, have mm -hmm. a conversation about what happens next. And Katsumoto gives back his things. And he's like, when I took these, you were my mm. enemy. And that's all he says. Like, you, you, you know, you get it at that point. Like, oh, God, I love you. I love you both. That's what I'm <laughs> right. saying in the movie right there. Yeah. Their friendship is almost like a separate character in mm -hmm. this movie. I mean, just when he starts being able to speak in English and Japanese and uh, they're able to joke with one another. And then you see they cut to them like walking and Katsuma is explaining the Japanese lifestyle to mm -hmm. him. I mean, mm -hmm. it's even, I even love his joke where he says, Captain, is this a low rank? 
and Tom's rankled oh, yeah. by it. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's a middle rank. <laughs> yeah. When he gets to the town and Katsumoto meets with the emperor to kind of tell him that they're kind of doing the wrong thing with the westernization and eradicating the samurai, essentially. And the emperor is this kid and he has so many advisors that it's obvious that he's not really doing what he thinks is right. He's letting people make the decisions for him like Amora. And there's this moment where the emperor asks Katsumoto what he should do. And Kat, like Katsumoto bows and is just, you know, so taken aback by this. Like I, I could never even presume to think what you should do. Oh, holy emperor. And can you imagine Katsumoto's mindset at that point? Like the person you look up to your leader, your like quote God, in this moment, yeah. has asked you what to do. How defeating that must be to know that, man, you're just about to get effed. Well, not only that, if he's interested in serving the emperor by keeping the traditions alive, for him to overstep and be a, a mentor to the emperor is directly in violation of what his rebellion is all about. So, I mean, he probably has no idea what to do. Mm -hmm. But in that scene, that same scene where he is uh, summoned to the, uh, the the chambers for like their new parliament and he comes in and he's in his samurai garb and he's got his sword and like everybody else is dressed like they're in the uh, whatever it is, the late 1800s and um, they they mock him and he takes one like strong step forward and you see everybody instantly shut up. Except yeah. for more. They're like, oh, wait, all right. Mm -hmm. Like Katsumoto is still so powerful and he's and not he still he's in a place a of weakness yeah. yeah yeah i really like that right i think as they as they bring the as the samurai come into town they pass a law that like bearing swords is illegal and katsumoto's son is in the town and the cops kind of like bully him and take his weapons and they cut off his top knot in a scene mm. that is this version of like you know the indian scalping uh. someone and they kind of shoot it like that, where you're like, oh, yeah. okay, the tables have really turned here. Um, really disturbing scene. When they came for, it's like when they came for Luke Kang's little brother, and Luke Kang's little brother was like, <laughs> screaming out for him. <laughs> Are we doing Crazy. Mortal Kombat next? Are we doing Mortal oh. Kombat after <laughs> Matador? <laughs> That's, is that a future <laughs> joke? Because I don't know what episode <laughs> we made that joke. <laughs> right. Oh, God. Right, because we're Who, we are recording We have to go back in, in time and fix the timeline. <laughs> Oh boy! Uh, I just realized I made that collateral as samurai transporter yeah. joke that makes no freaking sense. <laughs> yeah. until watch the, oh yeah, I, to next to, I was like, oh, uh, wait, wait a minute. <laughs> They'll get it eventually. Give him a couple of months. <laughs> what about the scene where uh, he's like in the um, if they're in Tokyo and he is in that? Um, it's kind of like a crossroads with the uh, like the symbolism over the streets, and there's like four or five law enforcement there and it's just him and he like takes him on with this like sweeping mm -hmm. uh the you know the combat effects camera and stuff like that man yeah the audio and in that scene is crazy too when he when he beheads that guy yeah there's two great things about algren in the third act one is, I love the way they show how his mind works, how he plays out what's going to happen beforehand. Mm -hmm. Like, he's that brilliant of a strategist that he could even plan out uh, combat. And also, whatever that shoulder rig with leather straps he's got going on that he puts over a suit is so cool looking. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I noticed that until watching it this time. Is it a shoulder holster? What is it? I want one. Will it fit me? And where can I find it on Etsy? It was a, for his gun, right? That's what that thing was. I assu I assume, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, what's the cat? Who's the dude that he hates? What's that guy's name? You said you referenced the bad guy from Ghost. <laughs> oh yeah, I can't remember his name. Let's it's just, just call the bad him the guy bad from guy Ghost. From his boss from the previous battles. He comes to see Algren in his apartment when they're that he hasn't seen in like six months, and he has a conversation with Algren. Essentially, just like trashes him. Like, what are you doing? Like, are you leaving? You're quitting. And he just dresses Algren down and he specifically asks, like, what is it about your people that you hate so much? And mm. Tom doesn't say anything the entire scene. The dude just like leaves after that. Tom doesn't even give him the respect of having a conversation with him, um, which I totally even forgot. Like I was waiting yeah. for Tom to have some kind of pithy comeback. He didn't give him anything. Um, and then after that, they get back to the town. Colonel Bagley. 
Bagley. Bagley. They have a conversation, Katsumoto and Tom, about um, taking one's own life in like service to your people or because you live in shame. Really, really interesting back and forth about how they view that process. You know, Tom has like thought about killing himself over the years. And whereas Katsumoto might do it if he mm. loses in battle. I thought it was pretty fascinating. Um, around this time too, they leave to go to battle and the son, the oldest son that he'd been living with, like doesn't want him to go. And uh, yeah. they have that touching moment where he has to go out and like say goodbye to the son about how he's like afraid to go to war. And re- initially Tom thought that he was angry at him because he killed his father and I was going to kill more people. But the, the mother revealed, no, he just doesn't want you to leave and die as well. Really touching stuff. Yeah. It was, it was beautiful. And then they go, they march. I loved it. The big march, the big yeah. battle. Tom Stratego revealed wearing that. And then he finally gets Bagley. Throws his sword that was gifted to him right in his chest. What a scene. God. Amazing. <laughs> God. Unreal. Yeah. I love in that movie, or in, in that movie, excuse me, in that battle where Katsumoto's like, so whatever happened to the Knights of Thermopylae? Because he, earlier in the movie, oh, explains about yeah. King Leonidas, and he's like dead to the last man. And then they <laughs> smile at each they other. See, yeah, oh my God. <laughs> That's so satisfying to see that, because it's just like, you get your blood like... Yes, do it. <laughs> There's a, also a line too where Katsumoto asks Tom, I think it's around this time, where he asks Tom if he believes a man can change his destiny. And Tom says, I believe a man does what he can until his destiny can be revealed. I just thought just really, mm. just the relationship between these two is just so gosh dang good. Unbelievable. Yeah. Another great moment in that battle that I wanted to make mention is Bob finally speaks. And he just, when Arugaland is hit, he's like, Arugaland! He comes after him to, to save him. So that even though he really didn't have a lot of interaction, he's also come to love him. Yeah. I mean, when they brought out, when they started bringing out the Howards and stuff. So that scene where they just mow down the, the samurai retainers is, it's disturbing to watch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it shows and you how the difference between modern and ancient warfare. Yeah, yeah and it's, that's, I mean, if there's anything that shows the true division, right? This is such a, a crazy time. I go back to that time time period in in the late 1800s. I mean that that separates modern warfare and and the new push towards the new world more than anything because everything changes after you know automatic weapons like that. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why when you get to uh, the First World War. You know, people are still digging trenches, but you still have, but then you have, uh, you know, your enemy with an automatic weapon who could just walk up to a trench full of hundreds of people and just, and just mow them down and they have no place to go. Like it's a total yeah. different ball game with the invention of automatic weapons. And that's, and this is the cusp, like this is the very beginning of that. And it's so crazy to think about when you think about something as ancient and, uh, you know, as far from removed from technology as you know the samurai but it was as recent as the late 1800s and the you don't think about like automatic weapons being that old mm-hmm. you know what i mean but they're they were born you know they were born be, before the 1900s it's cra- yeah. yeah it just seems it was- crazy seems like an absurdity and it's cool to see tom's like uh strategy around the howitzer like he knew that they were just going to get decimated near that mm-hmm. thing, so he, the, the most of his plan was to draw the troops away from the howitzers so that they could do battle elsewhere, and then you know just kind of hope for the best. Close enough point. for a sword. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. Mm. Last samurai. What yeah. a movie! Uh, does it get any better? This might be both his best film and our best episode. I'm just calling it. We're what in movie. despite in the, the wonky time travel. Time. Yeah, we're in the thick of it. I mean, eventually we're going to record that episode on Collateral. <laughs> Be deep. Sometimes soon. deep right now. That Collateral episode will have zero mention of us having recorded Last Samurai before that point. Man, I, but I, just, I remember one of my other notes was when Tom was getting like derobed and robed by the mother. God, Tom looked amazing in oh, that God. scene. That beard and hair combo? That's yeah. peak Tom. Uh, can absolutely. I just say, yes, absolutely. That... 
that beard and hair combo and every costume he wore in this, like even his uh, army uniform, it just looked better. Yeah. I don't yeah. know if it was true to form or if it was historically accurate or if it was, <laughs> you know, uh, tailored to fit a, a movie star Tom Cruise, but it was, he was a specimen in that outfit at the at the very end with like that bishop's collar type thing going on. Oh Jesus my God. Yeah, even like the back part, I remember when he turned at one point, his back just looked so straight. I was like, man, Tom, yeah. you look effing great in Looks that dynamite. suit right now. I think- <laughs> Absolutely. I think- when he f- eventually comes on the show, I think we got to go gaga over it with him. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Specifically specifically regarding like Last We'll Samurai. probably have to print out some shots of him in Last Samurai and just like, Tom, walk us through this suit. Like, right. tell us about it. Well, how did you feel? <laughs> Is this custom for you? Did you make any alterations to the team? Jesus. Tell I us just about want, hair. we're all in Dale's new house and bleep, bleep, bleep state and uh tom shows up and he just walks up the beach and i assume dale's house is on a beach and uh dale is sitting there and we're all around a fire and tom gives dale his prop sword from last saturday oh my god and dale is just weeping yeah yeah and dale goes just dale Dale takes that out and goes tom what does it say and Tom says, I belong to the warrior in which the old ways have joined with the new. And then we just crane shot away. up <laughs> off the beach. <laughs> and Dale's just looking at it in the firelight. Or something like that is how I imagine right. that right. it'll go. Right. Our papers are, are printed out pictures, inkjet pictures of Tom blowing away <laughs> in the wind. In his, <laughs> in his tailored suit. <laughs> tell like the last batch of photos we printed we're running out of ink so it's just like a real thin sheen of color on the photo (laughs) it's like leaning towards the green it's like mostly green there's a little bit of red in it though (laughs) oh god oh man unbelievable we did it han zimmer is this the last great han zimmer soundtrack it is his 100th Wow. Yes. Really? Mm-hmm. The Man of Steel score was actually really good, though, so I take that back. Yeah, that I guess good. Batman, maybe, if you're into that score. <laughs> Whatever, I mean. I don't know. No Last Samurai. Last Samurai, man. <sighs> it's it's funny, because I was reading, uh, trying to read a little bit of real-life trivia about this, and uh, e- the country of Japan really thought they did their research in terms of uh, historical accuracy and in, in terms of where Tokyo was at this time. But they also had some um, had some issue with how the samurai were portrayed because they from what they learned in Japan, the samurai were a lot more corrupt than this. Really? They weren't they weren't like the, uh, you know, peeing wine, you know, they weren't. uh like clean sheets type organization with beliefs. They were that. So I I found that to be very interesting because I think from where we are as Westerners, we sort of, uh, you know, there's something special and immortalized about samurai, right? And, Mm. and Japanese cultures like that. It's funny that um, Mm. where, where they're coming from, Mm -hmm. they probably think the exact opposite. Interesting. I looked up other movies. Ed Zwick had done. He, he directed this and co-wrote it. And the only other movie I had known really that he had done was that Jack Reacher sequel. And I remember being like, oh, he like came God. in last minute to come do it. And then we won't talk about what we think about Jack Reacher. Never go back. Um, but he never go also- back to watching it for this podcast. <laughs> Tom, don't hold that against us. If your people are listening <laughs> right now and planning, Oh no, this is our, we got to whack that. You got to take all that out. Both. He'd bring, also, still bring the sword. Ed Zwick has also done Blood Diamond. Oh. G- Glory. Okay. Oh. The Siege. Okay. Courage Under Fire. Okay, these are all great movies. Legends of the Fall. Oh my God. Wow. Shut your yeah. mouth. And also Defiance with um, Daniel Craig. That is a great movie too. So I wonder <laughs> what happened with that uh, second Jack Reacher movie. Maybe he just came in too late in the game. Editing no. had to be editing. Somebody edited that, you know, badly. Too late. That had Too to be it. The game. 
Colby yeah. Smolders. I think by the time, by when we get to re- really have a, a real conversation with Ed, Edward Zwick, you know, he, we would get the real story. Yeah. It's not all cut and dry as you, we can see what's on the screen and we can make our assumptions, but you know, big Hollywood is right. run by a lot of different people. You right. know what I mean? And he's when, got his side. When Ed Zwick choppers in to our beach house mm-hmm. location yep. and presents Dale with the samurai sword, the, inscrip- the inscription will probably explain it all. That's probably what's going to be yeah. inscribed, tapped out in the folded metal. <laughs> <laughs> I belong to the man who has cleared all his service tickets. <laughs> <laughs> ha, computers, take that. Computer, computer joke. Next episode, Collateral. Michael mm. Mann. Mm. Just imagine the conversation. Cannot have wait. Cannot wait to talk horse. about that movie. Mm. Tom's hair. I have a feeling Tom's hair is going to be the first thing we talk about on that episode. <laughs> I have a it's real good great. feeling. <laughs> it's going to be great. Thanks everyone for listening. We'll see everyone next time. We love you and we love Tom. At least you know we're coming back, right? Love you, Tom. <laughs>